Hey guys, we're coming at you, I was gonna say live. I mean, we are a live, but we're not live from Austin. And we are about to meet with Melissa Fitzgerald. Carol, so excited. Um, and she'll be here any minute. So we're uh, excited to kick off this weekend of the West Wing reunion and uh, enjoy, enjoy this uh, conversation with Melissa Fitzgerald. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, Melissa, we're so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for making time for us. We know that you are a busy, busy lady. Well, I'm um, happy to be here. This is really fun. Good. Um, so can you just tell us some of your background um, leading up to the West Wing? Like, did you always want to be an actor? Are you? Where are you from? And when did you go to L.A. and all that kind of stuff? And how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> Well, I grew up in Philadelphia, and I did always want to be an actor. And um, I also was always involved in a lot of service projects from when I was young, so both of those things were my passions. Um, I was in all the school plays, and then I also was president of the service organization in my school. And that, I think, was is important because both of those two things have been the focus of my life. And... Um, and perhaps ran on more parallel tracks uh, prior to working at Justice for Vets. And now I feel like they're even more intertwined now that I'm, um, I've taken the nonprofit path full time. Um, but I went to University of Pennsylvania, graduated with a degree in English, and then moved to New York and went to the Neighborhood Playhouse School of the Theater, which coincidentally Alice and Janney also went to. Um, we weren't there at the same time, but she also went there. And uh, I stayed in New York and did theater for a few years and then moved to Los Angeles. And uh, You just wanted to do this, like movies? You wanted to go the screen route rather than theater? You know, I'm not, I'm an awful dancer. <laughs> so, <Okay>. Awful. <laughs> so I would go to musical theater auditions in New York and I would get called back from the singing. And I should say we'd normally start our episodes by singing the theme yeah, song, but we don't, we don't make... Normally. I don't know if sing. singing is really the right word for that. Well, I'd love to hear it. Oh. You, you, you can hear it after we uh, do some editing of our own. Okay, good. Okay, so you didn't want to do musical theater. So no, I would decided. have loved to, but nobody wanted me to. <laughs> You're still waiting for your callback. Exactly. Okay. And I don't think it's coming. But uh, so, um, and then, uh, but, but really one thing happened. I was doing a play, and I think it was a three-hour-plus play, and I was on stage for the entire play, eight performances a week and 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 then I got a movie and I did the movie and I think I had two lines they flew me to you know Atlanta put me up in a really nice hotel and I made more money in those two days than I made in like a month and I thought hmm I may not be a math expert no but, <laughs> but I do like uh, eating yeah <laughs> and so um yeah, I, and a bunch of my friends from drama school had already moved to Los Angeles, and I, I, I moved out there too. Okay. So how long had you been there prior to uh, whatever brought about the, the West Wing audition to you? Like, how much had you been living there working? That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't really remember. Anything you get wrong, we'll just look up on Wikipedia. Um, and we'll yeah, just insert I it here. I don't remember the exact timeline, honestly. I remember I moved to Los Angeles and Friends was on because we used to watch that. Um, so, That's helpful. Exactly. It was sometime in the 90s. Yes, um, early 90s. But I think I was there for a couple years before West Wing, but not that long. Um, and I'd done General Hospital and a couple independent movies um, and did a movie. 
with Martin Sheen, actually, called Monument Ave. And Dennis Leary, who I'm on a panel with later today. Oh my gosh, um, this is like the end of Big Fish for you. <laughs> but I had a small part, but um, but it was really um, it was a really good movie, actually, and it was interesting to work on, and we filmed that in Boston. Um, so, and I listened to, uh, I did listen to Josh Molina's podcast episode, so I'm going to try not to repeat the same thing. Too much. So... Uh, your your ex husband had a had a relation to Sports Night. Is that how the West Wing came about for you? Um, you know, my ex husband was in the national tour of A Few Good Men with Josh Molina, and uh, that Aaron Sorkin wrote. And so he was in that that crowd, and so I knew Aaron also, and was in that crowd, and. Um, he had gotten a hold of the Sports Night and the West Wing scripts because uh, he wanted to audition for them. And um, I read them and just fell in love with, with both of them, actually. And Sports Night was going to be on that year. And the West Wing was not scheduled to be on until the following year. And um, I remember reading both and saying that Sports Night would be the best show on television and that the West Wing would be the best show ever on television. I was, right. yeah. I was right. I was right. I hope you made bet some money on that. I did not, but I didn't in. need to because it was such a great experience. Um, and I really wanted to be a part of it. And I didn't care if I had a teeny, 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 tiny part. I just wanted to be a part of it because I really did feel like it was not only going to be part of television history, but I felt and I believe absolutely that it had very positive impact very positive social impact and to be able to do what you love that's also wonderful art additionally has a positive social impact that's this trifecta yeah it's the end game we can't count the number of people who have tweeted at us or emailed and said that they got into politics or got into any sort of activism because of watching the west wing which is huge living in the dc area now that's Probably the thing I noticed the most is that so many young people, especially I think because of Netflix, but so many young people um, come up to me and say, I'm here because of the West Wing. And I think there can be no greater positive impact than that, than smart, young, committed people who are inspired to go into public service from a, from a, a, a television series. But I think that the West Wing... It asks us to be our highest and best selves and showed people in government who were doing it because they wanted to make our country better and make lives better for all of us. And I still believe that most people go into politics and go into public service because of those reasons. And it's wonderful to, to see that celebrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, we think about how many lives have been changed, you know, just even if it was just you that went into public service from this show, like the number of lives that you have touched, and then you think about exponentially how the the impact of the show that you just can't anticipate, you know, but um, so how long were you initially? I mean, it's funny, actually, I did anticipate that when I read the script. (laughs) I don't anticipate a lot of things. I did that, but I think the script was so incredible that you couldn't, yeah, the, the pilots was so incredible, the writing was so great, that I did know that. And I think it would be hard not to know that. Although I remember a friend of mine who was in television, she's a producer, and, and she's like, oh, well, I don't think it's gonna go because people aren't interested in you know, politics right now. There's too much going on about politics. And I said, you are so wrong because quality does tell in the end and something this phenomenal will shine. I don't care what the landscape is, I don't care. Something great is gonna happen 
out of this script. It's impossible that it, not for that to happen. Yeah, and then you finally get the call. So you're you're on the show. How long was your contract for? How long did you I expect no to contract. be on there? Like, I never had a contract. You just kind of show really. up and say like, put me to work. Well, n- no, they called and said for the pilot you're going to be staffer. I think it was staffer number two. I can't remember, but um, and it could have easily been a one-off and just been the pilot and been done. And I was still happy with that. And of course, I would want it to go on longer than that, but. I was just happy to be a teeny, teeny part of it, and um, so I, I, we did the pilot, and it was the most beautiful set I'd ever seen, and the most detailed set, and I think you can tell, first of all, you can tell by the casting and, and who the, was on the writing staff and the directing staff, but if you look through the whole entire crew list, the quality and the, the level of excellence was so high in every single department. I mean, there were fresh flowers in the Oval Office. Like, every little detail was done perfectly. Um, but uh, at the end of the pilot, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember I came back after, and I think I was still staff for number something, and then there was a, in one of the episodes early on, there was this in exchange uh, between Allison, between CJ and... Well, Allison and me, CJ yeah. and, and staff or number, whatever. And I remember Tim Busfield's like, your chemistry is really good. You guys have good chemistry together. And I just thought, gosh, that'd be so fun to work with her because she's so incredible. And I had been a fan of hers um, from Primary Colors. I remember when I had seen Primary Colors and, and I didn't know who she was at that time, but I remember watching it and thinking, like, why do I not know who this woman is? She's so incredibly talented. Um, and then, of course, I started seeing her everywhere. Um, and then it just progressed from there. I think they gave me a character name. I was Carol. And then they said, okay, you're going to be CJ's assistant. And, and I still didn't have, like, a desk or anything. And then a few weeks later, I had a desk. And, um, and I think it wasn't until season five when I got a last name. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big day. <laughs> um, that's so great. So you're on the show and you're surrounded by all these incredible actors. Do you have any, like, what was it like being on set or, or backstage? Did you have any memories of hanging out in the trailers or, like, what was it like for you and backstage? Um, gosh, offset? so many memories about that. <laughs> pick, pick one. I mean, I, I'm trying to, there was one day that stands out in my mind and it was one of the early table reads of one of the early scripts. And um, it was, I think it might have been the first table reading that I went to, because I don't know if I was included in the pilot table reading. I just honestly don't remember. But it was one of the early, early episodes. And I had started a nonprofit in Los Angeles working with at-risk teenagers on a mentoring theater program called Voices in Harmony. And by the way, most of the actors on the West Wing were roped into helping me with that, which they did, and they were wonderful. And Janelle was a tutor for it. Allison helped out with workshops. Brad, everybody, Dulé. And um, Josh Molina was very involved. But um, um, John Spencer also, Nicole Robinson, a lot of them. But um, one of the young men that was in our program was uh, going through some issues at school, and his mother did not speak English and asked me to get involved, and which, of course, I did as an advocate for him. And we had had a really wonderful meeting with the, his teachers and, and everyone at the school, and we got him into a special ed program. And it was just probably one of the best days that I'd had in terms of that, because this young man who didn't feel great about himself and felt that he wasn't trying hard enough because that's what he was hearing, realized that it, 
wasn't because of that, because he just wasn't being taught the way his brain worked. And to see that realization on his face made doing Voices in Harmony 100% worth it for me for all the years that I did it. And then right after that, I drove over to the Warner Brothers lot for the table reading of The West Wing, and I'm sitting at a big, huge table, and Martin Sheen is there, and Allison and Brad, and the whole cast, and Richard and Janelle, and I think Stockard Channing. Oh, I think she wasn't there. That was it. Stockard wasn't there, and they asked me to read her role. Oh, wow. And I just thought, this is the best day of my whole life. I get to do this with this group of people, read Aaron Sorkin's words. Tommy Shlami's here, Martin, and, and, and I just had this great morning. Um, so that felt to me like if I had one day in my whole life that was my perfect day, that was it. Yeah, yeah, because it met all of those desires. You've got the social justice and making incredible art. I mean, and you're still doing it. You still have all of that. So um, have you, did, so when did the show was on, did you like have viewing parties? Like did you watch the show every week or have you rewatched it since then ever? Or what's your? We did, wa- I mean, I we did have during the lunch time, because um, we had lunch, obviously there's lunch breaks, um, and they had in the theater, the Ross Theater, they would screen the episodes Wednesday during lunch. You didn't have to go, but you could go. And it was fun to go to those if you could. Um, and then, uh, and sometimes if I wasn't working, obviously I wouldn't go. But um, so those, we had those opportunities. And then I would watch it on TV usually. Um, and, uh, but I haven't really watched it since. Um, and I've never seen the final episode. You haven't. Wow. I never have. Man. Because I felt like it would make me too sad. Oh, I, I definitely, <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> I definitely procrastinate final episodes for most series. But oh, it's it's a really good. I think it's yeah. a really oh, good episode. Absolutely. I mean, it was a great that, episode to read, and it was incredibly wonderful and sad to film, and um, like incredibly sad. And I remember that very strongly. Um, and I. I remember the last scene, the last night, and staying, going back to Allison's trailer after a whole bunch of us, and it was very, very late at night, and driving home, and just being like, gosh. And I was going to Uganda to volunteer a couple weeks later, and I was like, gosh, I'm actually really glad I'm going to do that. Yeah. You have a way to like channel that energy yeah. somewhere. I'd love to hear more about um, what you did in Uganda as well. So we have like a parallel sort of story. I moved to Nashville because I wanted to work with artists and do social justice. So I, I tour for um, Compassion International and um, World Vision, and I'm an advocate for them. And then when I'm not on the road with them, I work for Alabama Shakes. So I work with musicians and that's just fantastic. Yeah, that so is. I just kind of and both of those organizations I've heard of, and they're doing incredible yeah, work. That's yeah. great. And so I went to Uganda um, just a couple of years ago, just to um, an orphanage for formerly abducted child soldiers. Where? And it totally Where was it? Me. I don't remember the city. We flew into Kampala, but we drove a couple hours into... A couple lunch. hours or like six hours? Probably like six hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it should be a couple hours, yeah. but the roads are so bad, it's yeah, like eight. Yeah, it takes yeah. a while. Um, and I wasn't there forever, but I, it it marks you. You know, like, you can't, you can't not see what you've seen, and I'm sure that, you know, drives you. But you, you do so many things now, but what was that? Well, that was a very intense experience. Um, it was very, you know, it's very intense. And I think it's hard to prepare yourself for the life there. And I don't know what year you went, but I went 
the year that the West went off the air, which was 2006. So there was, it was still a war zone, and um, the internally displaced persons camps still 80, about I think 80 percent of the population was still living there in those camps, um, and. I think at the height of the insurgency, a thousand people a week were dying in those camps, and uh, it's just hard to take in the depth and the breadth of the poverty and the the tragedy that's been visited upon the people there. And I don't think I met one person, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I don't think I met one person who had not lost an immediate family member to the war, and to have an entire um, community that's experienced that kind of loss is... Uh, Do you think that kind of propelled you, especially with the West Wing being over, to kind of like, okay, what's next for me? What am I going to take on next? So. It was really hard for me to come back. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't think I could have identified it at the time, but when I, when I first came back, I'd gone and worked with, I'd volunteered with International Medical Corps and worked with malnourished children and their mothers there and um, in the internally displaced persons health centers, camp health centers. And um, when I came back, I think I was so, um, I had an experience where I wanted to share it with the people that I knew and, and and I couldn't, like there's just no way to, to share that experience. And I, I also felt like I didn't want to carry this by myself. Like, like everybody has to know what's happening there. We got to do something about it because it didn't seem like a, a huge lift to do something about what was happening. And, um, and a, a man said to me, please don't let us die in this horrible place. Please tell the people in America what's happening to us. And I, took that very seriously and I came back and thought you know I can't bring everybody there but I can bring their stories here through film so went back the next year and did a documentary but also didn't want to just take stories out wanted to put something back in so we did a version of the theater program that we've been doing in Los Angeles in northern Uganda oh, wow. um, and I think it was also hard to come back from that first experience and go back to auditioning it just sure. um, it just didn't happen for me I, I didn't I couldn't motivate to do that um, and I remember my agent at the time saying you know it's kind of demoralizing because we're getting you these appointments and you're not going yeah. and um, you know that told me what I needed to know is that that's not where my heart is anymore and my heart is elsewhere and then I also worked on a documentary called Halfway Home which profiled several returning veterans from different eras of war and that really deepened my understanding um, about the impact of war on the men and women who are living in the war zones, but also the men and women who fight them and their families. And, you know, I feel in this country, we have tremendous gratitude for the men and women who fight on our behalf. And I also believe that we are getting better at and can get even better about putting that gratitude into actions and putting it into programs that are effective and working for veterans and their families. And I don't know of any more effective program than Veterans Treatment Courts and the work that we are doing at Justice for Vets. And when that opportunity came about to work on behalf of Justice for Vets, I really jumped at that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about uh, the work that Justice for Vets does and your role and everything and how long you've been doing it and all that good stuff. Well, 
Justice for Vets champions veterans treatment courts. Veterans treatment courts are alternatives to incarceration for veterans who return, who obviously get in trouble with the law because of substance use disorder, mental health disorders, and or trauma. Um, they can receive uh, treatment instead of incarceration. These are incredibly successful programs. They are also rigorous. They are not only places, like the courtrooms themselves, are not only places of accountability, which they are, but they're also remarkably places of hope and healing. And the men and women that participate in these programs are getting better. They're returning to their communities as leaders and real civic assets. And it's so inspiring to be a teeny tiny part of, of this movement. Yeah. And I know that your fellow castmates, you've roped them in uh, to kind of draw more attention to it. And it's been amazing to see the way that they've kind of come together. And I know fans are just excited. Like, just anytime somebody posts a Snapchat, Dulay, yeah. or like on Instagram, everyone's brains explode because they just like the sight of all of you but then also to realize that what you're doing has a tangible impact it's just we're just so proud <laughs> well I feel so lucky because certainly they're um for a lot of reasons but their involvement in like you know they all jumped on board to help Voices in Harmony back in the day during the West Wing and then they jumped on board to help out with the Uganda work. I mean, if you look at the credits in the film, Dulé's a producer and so is Martin Sheen. And um, Allison, everybody jumped on board. Janelle, um, I mean, Janelle was one of our tutors for Voices in Harmony. So um, so in case you didn't love all these people enough. <laughs> and Josh Molina was one of our first donors, you know, like for Voices in Harmony. And that was pre-West Wing. Um, and, you know, they've all been incredibly supportive um, not only with their celebrity, but also with their time. Like they actually get involved in what we're doing, you know, um, in a deep way. And so I feel very fortunate to have their support in that way because it really elevates the profile of the cause. And I think, especially for veterans treatment courts and justice for vets, it's such an obvious um, and positive solution to an issue that people just need to know about it. That's sort of my feeling, is that um, they're growing incredibly quickly, and the more people who know about them, the faster they're gonna grow. And we need them to grow quickly, and we need them to grow well, and we need them to grow quickly so that they can reach every veteran in need. Um, and the cast's profile helps raise the profile of that, but also, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to work with my friends. Yeah. yeah. And I was it gonna makes me happy. Ask about that chemistry a little more. You talked about knowing immediately that the show was gonna take off, but when did you know when y'all were in the room? I mean, you guys are still every everybody in the interviews talks about a sense of family yeah. and you know, it's however many years later and everyone's still so close knit. When did you know that connection was there and know it was something special? Gosh, that's a great question. I I guess probably probably right away. And it was interesting because I remember Janelle, how I met her. It was one of the very first days and I was just walking on the set somewhere and she came up to me and she's like, hi, I heard you run a program, a theater program for at-risk kids and I want to volunteer. Oh. And, you know, who does that? <laughs> so, incredible. And then we became very close friends and then Allison and Janelle and I, you know, we went on vacations together and... Um, and, so, and I think also because Aaron Sorkin uses a lot of the same actors, like I knew Josh Molina long before The West Wing, 
and Brad Whitford I knew long before the West Wing and Tim Busfield so a lot of us knew each other prior um, and then your, you know, 12, 14 hour days, I would imagine, <laughs> would shooting. with the bonding. Yeah. yeah. Spending a lot of time in the foxholes together. And it was, it was interesting because I was talking to Allison about this and wondering if, you know, cell phones, texting and stuff was not the thing when we first started. That's how long ago it was. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I... I asked her because we spent so much time in the trailer and talking about like relationships and whatever the stuff you talk about yeah. as friends. But I, I said, I wonder if we would have developed the deep relationship we had if we had had texting and cell phones and all that as such a prominent part of our lives. And I, I think one of the reasons is we actually were together and having conversations with each other and not distracted by having conversations with 20 other people at the same time right. via text. Yeah, right. partial conversations. Yeah. And I think you gain a lot from that in life, but I think you also, there's you lose a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have any favorite episodes, either that you remember filming or in rewatching, or whether you were in it or not? I do. Um, you know, there are a couple episodes that I was not in that are my favorites. The um, In Excelsis Deo, um, is one of my absolute favorite episodes. Um, and it's interesting that the work I'm doing now is with veterans, and because that one, obviously, Richard Schiff's character, um, Toby, donates a coat, and his business card's in the coat, and a Korean War veteran who is homeless dies wearing that coat. I'm sure you know it better than I do, but dies wearing that coat, and... He has no other identification on him, so they call Toby, and Toby goes and realizes that this man is a Korean War veteran and wants to make sure that he has a burial. Yeah, the dignity that he deserves. Absolutely, at Arlington, uh, with full honors. And um, I think that speaks to how many Americans feel, is that we want to honor our veterans, and we we know we can do better we're not sure how but we know we can and he does and i think that's part of the reason it resonated because we all feel that way that we do need to honor our veterans and you know again as an actor you know one of the things that you know is that it's it's not what your character says that defines who they are it's what they do it's their actions um and i think that that is true in life too and how we honor our veterans is not just by words like thank you for your service it's also by backing those words up with actions. And we have to support programs like Veterans Treatment Courts, organizations like Justice for Vets, because we can do better by our veterans, and we are every single day in Veterans Treatment Courts across the country. We are doing better by veterans and their families, and they are getting their lives back. And the other thing is, as a nation, we need our veterans in our communities. We need our healthy veterans home. And um, because they are leaders, they are more likely to volunteer, they are more likely to vote, they are more involved in their communities than their civilian counterparts. They are leaders, they are you know, trained to work as a team, and we need those qualities. They make our communities stronger and richer and better. And when veterans go through veterans treatment courts, first of all, it just shows how resilient they are. And they are coming home and leading these incredible lives. And um, we all benefit and we need them. And in addition, veterans treatment courts not only reduce crime and restore healthy veterans to our communities, but they also save the taxpayer a ton of money. So it's, 
there's no reason not to support and these it, yeah. programs. And it's something yeah. that it's not like a partisan issue. It's not a at no, all. It's a no-brainer, and it's it's so refreshing, especially in this political climate, to find things that like, hey, we can all agree on this. Let's just get it done, and you know, build into our future Absolutely. and our people that have already built into this country. So. Exactly. It's not a partisan issue. It's an American issue, and I and I think something that the West Wing celebrated was how we can solve problems together for the benefit of all. And that being creative and, and, and coming from an intellectual place but also a heart space and doing what's right and what's just is also what's good for the country. And I think veterans treatment courts are examples of that. Um, doing what's right, what's good, what's just, and what's smart and innovative and effective raises all boats so let's yeah. do it <laughs> yeah it's a no-brainer yes well sally and i will be donating on behalf of oh, our podcast thank you. Um, we like to give a little something yeah to our we were gonna we give that would thank be inappropriate you. so we'll be, we'll be doing that that's the best guest gift that you could give me honestly is is to make a donation to justice for vets i can't think of anything i would want more than that from anyone ever because i believe in what we're doing and getting to meet the men and women and their families whose lives have been changed by being part of veterans treatment courts is probably the most inspiring thing I've ever been a part of. And um, I would love everyone to go to our website too, so you can learn more too, justiceforvets.org. Justiceforvets.org. And we can tweet it we'll, out too. We'll, we'll tweet it. it. We'll yeah. Plug it all and can you also plug, the whole cast did a PSA, like a public service video and, and public service announcement that's on our website. Um, justiceforvets.org. I'm going to keep saying it. And then um, justiceforvets.org. <laughs> yeah, justice <laughs> for vets. See, we got her to sing. <laughs> and worked. then also the whole cast um, was kind enough to pen a, a an op-ed for the Huffington Post yeah. that just went up, like, just this week. So please, please go to Huffington Post to the impacts um, section, and it's it actually explores the episode in Excelsis Deo. Got it. And, and talks about why that's so powerful and, and why we need to support veterans treatment courts and, and groups like Justice for Vets. Well, we will we'll definitely tweet that out and then everybody can uh, sign up for your email newsletter so they can Great. stay up to date. And um, that is really helpful because once we have your email, you'll not only get our email newsletters, but you'll also have the opportunity to sign up for actions when we need signatures to let our elected officials know that we need them to support veterans treatment yeah, courts right. as well. Because yeah. they're saving lives and there's so many individual stories that are incredible. Um, I'd love to share some, but I feel like I've talked so much. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, you're fine. It's all good. It is a testament to the show. To, I mean, NXL's day always gets me because my granddad was a Korean war vet. And so just the thought of like, of the support he had and like if things had gone just a little bit differently for him how yeah. you know I don't know so how important that is and I think we talked earlier about it getting people involved and it's just it's amazing how much of an impact a single episode can have yeah so. it is amazing and, I, and we've seen that on our website even just sort of an uptick in involvement when when we did the podcast with Josh and I'm sure when we do this podcast and and that's very exciting to me because once again it's taking something that was a wonderful piece of television history, but using it to save lives. Yeah, it's impacting any number of yeah, stories. Still, all, yeah, like, 10 years later. So. so we'll definitely tweet that out. Uh, we we asked our, our listeners if they had any like questions. And I think some wanted to know your thoughts on CJ Suiters. Yeah, since you had a front CJ's row seat. right hand woman. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, was there like a favorite Danny CJ 
episode or scene or or even Simon. I don't know. Let's see. Just thought we'd throw well, that I think, out there. As I recall, Carol liked both of them. Well, um, I mean, she had a lot of good. She did a lot of good ones. Yeah. Um, Carol and Danny had some funny moments and interactions. Well, he was great. I mean, he's and he's such a you know terrific actor too, yeah. Tim Busfield. Um, and I loved the dynamic between Danny and CJ, and it was modeled on you know Dee Dee Myers and her now husband. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that was just a great relationship. And, and to watch it over time too. Yeah. You know? It's just like. It took a long time. It was a slow burn. Yes. <laughs> and then um, I also loved the relationship of the Simon CJ one. And um, it's hard to piece out whether I liked that because I liked the relationship on the show or Mark Harmon is just so nice and so handsome. It was nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's add him into more scenes there. Yeah, don't kill him. Don't kill him. I know. Were you there for the table read that day? Like, what was that like? I actually don't remember if I was there for the table read that day, but I, I do remember being, many of the women on the on the set were very sad. <laughs> See yeah. Because yeah. he actually is such a nice man and a lovely actor and yeah well it's also just nice to so see handsome. like cj so, so, finally so have like a human moment you know because she has to be so you know she's so in control we always joke that she's like the original beyonce <laughs> cj craig is like things. runs the world whatever um but then it's nice when she gets a moment to just be a woman you know and yeah, have a nice great. man who wants to take care of her. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and she, it's true, she did get kind of silly and almost girly. Around yeah, that. that was fun to see that side of her. Side. Yeah. yeah, there's moments where she'll go off into uh, to a tangent about some guy that you were saying is calling, and Toby's sitting there like, What am I receiving right now? She's just being a woman, and it's hilarious. So, uh, that brings up another good thing, though. Uh, the West Wing is famous for the incredible guest actors that would come in and out of the whole series. Did you remember having moments, of course, you're working with great actors day to day, but having Mark Harmon or whoever, Matthew Perry, whoever it was, coming in and out. There's like a million. <laughs> there's so many. I know there's so many, it would be hard, it's to, hard to say. To think, yeah, Matthew I mean, they Perry, were, I mean. <laughs> Oliver Platt, and so yeah. many. Um, Alan Alda. Yeah. Amazing. Um, just there were so just many all, great yeah. actors who came on. Um, but it's funny, I think the things that I remember the most were just the core group, like the people that were there the whole time. Because um, I think if I look back on it, what I remember is the, I remember the f- relationships and the personal conversations more than anything else, probably. And the teasing and the practical jokes, and I'm sure you Yeah, did Melina to, ever get you on anything? You know, luckily, Melina has not gotten me on anything, and I, 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 don't, yes. I, don't, I think it's because we've known each other for a really long time, and we both really like practical jokes. We've been on the same team against others. Oh. People have been on the receiving what? end. Is there and that was actually can, prior to West Wing. It was prior to West Wing that we did that, and we, we got a high school friend of mine so badly. So we, yeah, quite a few things, which I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> okay. <really>. But um, <laughs> I'm very grateful that Josh has never targeted me, <laughs> and I will never target him. Yes. <laughs> I White target a lot of people, but he is so good, he scares me. <laughs> And he really is so good and so creative, and nothing is too far for him. There's no line with Josh Molina right and a practical joke, and I'm not even kidding you. There's no line. 
We'll have to think of something good. Do for not Wendy's poke. On ours. Do not poke the tiger. Yeah, I was like, I'm <laughs> not even a panda. Panda. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for that sage advice, <laughs> Melissa. Thank you so much for being with us. It's been great. Everybody, please check out justiceforvets.org. And uh, we'll tweet it all out too. On yeah, this, everything. Thank you. And where can people find you on Twitter? Are you are you an active tweeter? Um, I'm an active retweeter. Okay. <laughs> no, I am. You're kind of busy. So. Well, no, no. It's just I'm old. Um, but <laughs> um, I am on Twitter. I'm okay. at Maffy Fitz. Don't laugh. It's M A F F Y F I T Z. Um, they're my initials and my nickname. Melissa Ann Fitzgerald. M A F. People call me Maffy or Maffy Fitz. So cool. I'm at Maffy Fitz. Um, I know, terrible. And then um, <laughs> at Justice for Vets. Okay, is, and it's a four, the number four. It is. Okay. It's a little confusing. No, no, no. That's can't simple. say we love it because our website is Justice for Vets. F O R Vets. Yeah, you want right. our um, Twitter is at justice for four. the number four number vets. four so you know keep you on your toes yeah uh-huh. keep you thinking yeah. these are our listeners are very savvy yes we tweet all the time we're yeah, counting we on that okay good well show up y'all um all right thank you so much thank Enjoy. you, thank you. <laughs>